every American citizen must have an equal right to vote. The administration of elections is primarily a state and local responsibility. Whether you voted for the very first time or waited in line for a very long time, by the way, we have to fix that. Hi, and welcome to High Turnout Wide Margins. This is Brianna Lennon. I'm the county clerk in Boone County, Missouri. And with me is my co-host. Eric Fay, Director of Elections in St. Louis County, Missouri. And we are really excited today to have Michael Haas, who is currently the city attorney of Madison, Wisconsin, but has a very illustrious career in elections that we're gonna talk about today. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Good morning, thank you both. So our first question is always, how did you end up working in elections in the first place and kind of what has been your career path through the election space? Well, thanks. That's a great question. When I worked at the the, the elections agency for the state of Wisconsin, we we had, I don't know, 30 employees. And I I remember sitting in in a staff meeting saying, how did all these people get to elections? I mean, nobody goes to school to become an election administrator, right? But I had always had an interest in elections. I actually, after college, I worked on some campaigns from a presidential campaign to a congressional campaign, a gubernatorial campaign. And after law school, I actually ran for the state assembly twice. So I always tell people none of those campaigns were winning campaigns, but I learned a lot about politics and elections. Um, and then uh, I was in private practice as an attorney for about 14 years. Part of that was representing three small municipalities. So I worked with the city clerk sometimes on election issues. But then in 2008, the state of Wisconsin created a new agency called the Government Accountability Board, which combined the state elections board and the state ethics board. And so that had oversight over election administration, campaign finance, lobbying laws, and the uh, code of ethics for um, public officials. And so they had two openings for uh, attorneys. And I thought I was ready for a change and uh, it was an area I was always interested in and had some experience in. And so I applied and, 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 and so I came into the uh, elections world sort of through the legal perspective and then uh, eventually moved into management at the Government Accountability Board. And then the legislature made another change. Uh, it was not happy with some investigations our agency was doing. And so it split the agency into two different agencies, the Elections Commission and the Ethics Commission. And then I became the first uh, administrator of the Wisconsin Elections Commission. I held that position for, uh, I think about 20 months. And then the state Senate decided it did not want to confirm my appointment that the board had unanimously made. So I went back to my previous position as a staff attorney for a couple of years and then eventually moved on last year to this position with the city of Madison. In moving from different levels of government and having to work with different election administrators at different levels, what challenges did you find having to manage their interests or look out for their interests as their attorneys? It's been interesting because Wisconsin, first of all, is a, a, a state that runs elections at the municipal level. And uh, we, county clerks are also involved in testing the voting equipment, gathering, tabulating results, reporting results. 
And, and then of course I worked at the state level where we are trying to train clerks, provide them with the resources. We tested voting equipment. You get an entirely different view from the state level, especially when we have 1,850 municipal clerks that we are trying to train to all conduct elections consistently. And there's 25% of them turnover every year. And so we, we sometimes put out information and we just assume everything is going great at the local level if we don't hear anything. And then when I switch to the local level, I mean, we have a, a, a great municipal clerk, uh, Mary Beth Witzel-Bale, who runs the elections. And, and she has a staff. I mean, a lot of municipalities in Wisconsin, it's a small town and it's, it's a part-time clerk running the election. And so it's a challenge to master all of the intricacies of running the elections. And things change with new legislation, new lawsuits, new court decisions. And so to get into the nitty gritty about how do these state policies and laws affect administration at the very local level. And there's gray areas, of course, in the laws and the clerks are the ones that are, are left to sort of figure out how to best serve the voters. And, and I think another difference at the local level is with the state, we weren't really in charge of voter registration or you would certainly promote voting, but we, we did not do as direct voter outreach as the municipal clerks can. And so I think it's, a, it's an opportunity to be a little bit more involved in direct voter outreach encouraging voters to register, vote absentee, and helping the clerk to find ways to manage that within the context of the, of the state laws. Shortly after I started here, our clerk asked me a question about an election procedure. And um, I said, well, have we, should we check with the state elections agency, the state elections commission, which I just come from? And her response was, well, no, we like to rely on our own city attorney. And sometimes I think uh, they maybe didn't like what they heard from the state and they wanted to find a way to, to help voters in a way that maybe was more proactive than, than we could um, help them with at the state level. So it's been a different perspective. Um, I've always thought, you know, local government is obviously where uh, it was what touches people most directly and where we can have a, a good impact. Here in Missouri, I work for a board of elections. We have a relatively large operation, a county of about a million people. We have an attorney. But in some of the more rural counties, uh, the county clerk who runs elections, they often have to rely on the county prosecuting attorney for legal counsel. And when they become embroiled in recounts or election contests and things, they really don't have any legal representation with any election expertise, election administration expertise. And I would imagine in Wisconsin, it must be somewhat similar, even more of an issue because you have this hyper-localization. And I'm wondering from your experience, how do city clerks in Wisconsin deal with that when they when they have to go to court on things i'm sure it happens from time to time you know how, how does somebody with such a small budget a small operation find legal counsel that is a challenge and um you know as i said we have like small townships that might have less than 100 people and even medium-sized cities in wisconsin a lot of them 
their attorneys are not in-house counsel, they're contracting with the law firm. And when I was representing three small cities as a private attorney, I did not get involved in a lot of election issues. The clerk would call the state for guidance. And, and it is a recount is, is a perfect example. We would have local recounts and sometimes uh, those cities would, would just try to hire out and find an attorney who specialized more in legal issues. But you know, at the state level, we have a recount manual you know, we just try to put out a lot of training materials. And then we try to help walk, the, we would try to help walk through with the clerk what the procedures were. And we would have staff on call to help them during the recount. Always a lot of guidance out there, but it's, as you probably know, a, a pretty small community of people who have expertise in elections. And to try to learn it all when you have a recount coming up in a couple of days is a challenge. So. Um, we, we would always say at the state, we can't do the recount for you, but we can help you answer questions and we can help the recount board identify what the issues might be. And ultimately they have to make a decision, but it, it, it is, as you say, it, we, we always say we are the most decentralized election administration system in the entire country because we deal with that at the municipal level. So that permeated almost everything we did at the state for training and, and support. On that point about the hyper-localization of Wisconsin election administration, I am just curious. I mean, I, I've met a number of people who work in elections in Wisconsin and things like that. And I don't know if you have any perspective about what is it about political culture of Wisconsin that even, you know, after 2000, after Hava and everything, when, you know, things became more complex, this uh, structure persisted. I mean, for better or worse, I don't know, but just curious if you have any perspective on that. It's hard to tell. I mean, just something about the history and the culture of the state when they enacted the Constitution. I mean, the state was, there's an emphasis on local control. And it, it is just stayed that way. There have been some discussions, you know, on and off about maybe more centralizing, centralizing things. Um, you know, people are also kind of proud of their local government community. I mean, there, I, we would even see towns that had a difficulty coming up with enough people to run for their local town board, right? But but they still, you know, would do what it takes to, to run elections. It really became a challenge as it did all around the country last year, of course, to find enough, you know, just bodies to, to run elections and to act as, as poll workers. Um, it's just something about, I guess, the history and the culture of the state where there's just a, a pride in that local structure of government. I mean, it can also have, I mean, there are some disadvantages. We also found that it was a way to, um, uh, to frame the whole discussion about election security and to pull off you know, a wide, widespread interference with elections in Wisconsin, you would really have to get into the systems of a lot of different election actors and at, at a number of steps. And so we found that decentralization um, and not having one type of voting equipment all across the state and having multiple different actors could be a disincentive to somebody trying to interfere with the election or the, or the election results. As an attorney and having that decentralized nature 
is there ever a concern that a bad result for one clerk will have a cascading effect on, you know, I, I don't know if it would limit it by county or if it would really, you know, engulf the whole state if something happened at one level, but is, is that a concern of yours? Well, it's not only a concern, I mean, it, it's happened. And, and the clearest example I can think of is that in 2011, we had a, an election for a state Supreme Court justice. And it was very close. And on election night, one of our counties, Waukesha County, reported, uh, re reported results which were inaccurate because they had left out the results of a fairly good-sized city in that county. And the county clerk realized the mistake in the next day or so, but did not tell anybody until the county board of Canvas canvassed the results a couple of days later. And then all of a sudden they realized that that change in the results flipped the result of the election. And the, the incumbent who people thought had, had lost then won the election and this county clerk had not been in touch with our office at all, did not let anybody know what she knew. And that led to a lot of distrust. It led to a request for a statewide recount. And, and that had you know, lasting results. Um, people not trusting the voting equipment, uh, we were in the midst of a lot of other political um, activity in Wisconsin uh, with Governor Walker you know, and, and the legislature um, passing some bills to change union rights in the state uh, for public employees. And, and it was a very hyper political environment. And that really just fed into the, the, the mistrust and so in more recently, you know, when we have, we've had a couple instances where there have been attempts to, you know, try to get into the voter registration system. You know, in, in one case, there were, I think last year, there was an instance where a municipality had a, uh, a situation where their system, their local system was breached and um, it didn't affect their voter registration system, but those stories get out and that, that concern then of course goes statewide. We always talked about the security of Wisconsin elections, you know, is only as strong as your weakest link, right? And, and so we have to try to raise the level um, of everybody's game. And in Wisconsin, the Elections Commission put a lot of resources with the help of the, the federal funding um, to provide local clerks with the technology that they needed to conduct elections. And because we were the only statewide organization can really concerned about that technology security, we ended up providing equipment and technology to municipalities that they could use for their entire you know, government structure in addition to their election infrastructure. Um, but it, it's both the people and the technology, right, that we have to make sure is is secure and uh, both to conduct the election and to make sure people are confident in the election. In the aftermath of the 2020 election, we've spoken with a number of election officials who were from jurisdictions across the country that had very contentious post-election situations. They're embroiled in, you know, in, in court battles and things like that. I mean, this may be an overly 
broad question, but what, if any, advice could you give to local election officials to kind of prepare for that worst case scenario when, you know, uh, party operatives are, are there at your office banging on the door are, you know, the news media descends on, on your office and, you know, there are questions about the integrity of the election. I mean, maybe, you know, you're currently the city attorney for Madison. If that happened in Madison, you know, what kind of steps should an election administrator ask their, ask their attorney to be taken in a situation like that? You know, we, we did a lot of preparation ahead of time. And, you know, of course he can prepare and, and that doesn't always solve the situation, but there was a lot of emphasis after 2016, of course, about election security, but then also election misinformation and disinformation. And so the Elections Commission in Wisconsin spent a lot of time, um, they actually retained an outside firm to come up with some public information resources. And we tried to train local clerks on getting out ahead of the election narrative and trying to get their local media to you know, recognize that these were the election experts and that they were the source of credible information. So that inevitably when the conspiracy theories came around or there unfounded claims that at least there would be a, a voice of reason out there, hopefully that could provide the facts. And sometimes we, you, know, you just get overwhelmed um, in that arena when you have political parties or candidates spending a lot of money trying to spread, spread uh, false information. Um, but we, the other thing we did, um, you know, on the state level, like a lot of other states, we had training on um, conducting tabletop exercises to run local elections through election day scenarios and election security breaches and things like that. And to, to sort of exercise their, their, um, their, I guess, brain muscles to react in real time. And so one thing we did at the local level when I came here is we, in a way, replicated that by having a mini tabletop exercise. And we brought together all our city agencies that would be involved in you know, setting up the, the polling places, law enforcement, emergency responders, um, you know, the public works people. If there's a traffic accident, what do you do? And we tried to you know, game plan that and, and figure out not only what was gonna be done, but how do we communicate that internally with the city council and the mayor's office and then with the public and who's gonna be responsible for what. And you know, last year, uh, the November election was really smooth and really quiet because most people had voted before the election in Wisconsin. So it was a very quiet day, but I, I think planning is the best that you can do. Uh, and to be ready, you know, at the legal, from a legal perspective, you want to be ready for things that might come up on election day. You want to be prepared so that the election workers know what to do if there's a candidate who is electioneering at the polls. And that's, you know, that's forbidden. That's against the law. Um, you know, if there's, if a polling place has to be shut down, you know, we would prepare. We had template court pleadings where we would be ready to go into court and ask for an extension of polling hours if a polling place was shut down for a significant period of time. Um, you know, being ready for anything re uh, related to the reporting of election results on election night, 
um, and, and just being available to the municipal clerk. In Madison, we actually set up a little mini hub or it was similar to kind of an emergency operations center where you just stand up a facility where we had um, representatives of different agencies, the clerk's office, I was there, uh, police department, fire department, and just keeping tabs on what was going on around the city. As I said, it turned out to be really quiet. So that was the day I actually got some other work done um, because the calls were not really coming in on election day. So I think just being prepared, trying to anticipate, as, as you all know, hoping for you know, wide margins um, and, and a little controversy. The one thing we've done in St. Louis for a number of years now, especially leading into a general election in an even numbered year, our attorney and uh, our, our management staff uh, we'll meet with the chairperson of each of the political parties in addition to any legal counsel they might have. Uh, usually there's some attorney for each political party kind of coordinating poll challengers and things like that. And then we, we also try to loop in our county prosecuting attorney, somebody from the local U.S. attorney's office, the presiding judge from our circuit court, really just kind of to exchange contact information and just to look at each other in the face and say, okay, if it hits the fan on election day, here's my number, you know who I am, you know, and it just kind of sets a tone and puts a puts a face with a name. And I mean, I think it's been mostly beneficial. And I think, you know, your piece of advice was good in that regard. Yeah, exactly. We would do that at the state and we did it uh, at the local level as well, both bringing in, uh, you know, law enforcement, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the District Attorney's Office, anybody who might get involved. And bringing in those political actors, as you said, just to make sure you got a good contact list for election day, and to try try to keep things under control. And for the for the first time since I've been doing it, this past election twenty twenty, we looped in the uh, the postal inspector because vote by mail became such a huge thing. And what was the situation in Wisconsin? Did did vote by mail increase pretty drastically last year? It did. You know, we we were I think the only state that held the spring election, a, a presidential primary during the pandemic for quite a period of time. And there was a lot of litigation going back and forth in the weeks leading up to that. At some point, our commission just made a decision, we're gonna promote um, absentee voting in order to have a safe election. And so that, that drastically increased the, the number of absentee ballots that had to be mailed out and processed by the clerks. But then, of course, you know, absentee ballots in Wisconsin, you cannot start processing those until Election Day. And so that leads to delays when most of your ballots are coming in and you have to take them out of an envelope, unfold them, you know, mark the voter, put them in the, in the equipment. You know, that takes a long time and it, it, it leads to delays in, in reporting the election results. You know, and when you have delays, of course, then there's, there's more suspicion. Um, but it, it was a big lift for municipal clerks to accommodate those um, absentee ballots. It did you know, also lead to some innovations like absentee ballot drop boxes, which we use, and then also became controversial, of course. Um, so there, yeah, there was a big shift and it'll be interesting to see if that, you know, if that shift continues, if people decide, hey, I like voting absentee and this is the way, the way we're gonna do it, even after, after the pandemic. Kind of jumping off of one of the things that Eric was talking about 
meeting with chairpersons of parties and things like that. How has the party structure affected elections administration in Wisconsin? Because it's very dependent here. I mean, we have some, some parties in different counties that are very active. We have some that aren't active at all. Is it similar in Wisconsin? Is it very contentious? You know, uh, Wisconsin is one of those states where, you know, you have in, in general, more democratic leaning areas in the more urban areas, and then a lot of geographic area that is not as populated, of course, but tends to, to lean more towards voting Republican in most elections. And so the political parties, you know, we have 72 counties, but the political parties aren't always that active as far as poll workers in a lot of the counties. Um, so you might have a lot of activity in Dane County where Madison is, in Milwaukee County, Waukesha, but in the other areas, you may not have active, real strong active local parties. And so we would try to get to the state party structure so that they can communicate, you know, down to their local level, because sometimes you have sort of, you know, rogue actors who may not be um, a part of the official party structure, but they are out there to support one candidate and then be, be maybe doing something inappropriate. And maybe we can get somebody at the, at the state party to uh, rein them in a little bit uh, where they might accept that message a little bit better from them than from, from our office or from the government. At the state level, we would try to keep those lines of communication open and you know, as we as we said, try to establish those relationships ahead of election day, um, so that if things get crazy, everybody at least knows who we are talking to and where we're coming from. At least in my uh, experience here in St. Louis County, um, especially in November elections, political parties will often recruit attorneys to be in Missouri state law. They're called poll challengers, like a poll watcher, to go into polling places, to go into you know where we count the absentee ballots. I wonder if you have any advice for attorneys that, you know, practice some other type of law and then want to help out around election time. What is there any kind of general rules of the road for folks like that? You know, there are some organizations here that that similarly train attorneys to help on election day. And, you know, fortunately, those organizations try to you know, have those attorneys read the, the state's election day manual understand what the rules are for observing, you know, understand what can be challenged and what can't be challenged. Um, you know, we, and we would have those briefings at the state level and we did that at the local level here last year as well. I, I um, hosted a meeting with our clerk for observer organizations that we know were out there and we ran them through the top issues and what they can and can't do. Um, you know, I think it's helpful as an attorney to be able to, if you're not in this area, um, to just have a, you know, a healthy respect for the procedures that are in place and the people that are trying to administer the election that have been in this arena constantly and, and give them, you know, the benefit of the doubt initially that they've had training in this, they've been doing this for years generally, and they, they're not intentionally trying to, to mess things up. And 
they're trying to get voters in and out. The farthest thing from their minds is trying to somehow manipulate an election. And, and also to go through the proper channels. And sometimes we would get calls at the state from an attorney saying, we've got a situation here. And our first question was always be, would always be, have you gone to the chief inspector who's in charge of the polling place? That's what we're going to do. So you might as well talk to that person. And if you're not satisfied then, have you talked to the municipal clerk who's in charge of that municipality? Um, and, and then try to get it resolved at the local level. And if that, if that doesn't work, then sure, give us a call. You know, one of the benefits of those organizations, though, is sometimes they could also reduce the number of calls we would get at the state. Because if there was an organization that had trained attorneys, an attorney has a question at the polling place, a lot of times they would call that sponsoring organization and uh, get that, that problem addressed um, or even figure out if it is a problem before it came to us at the state. You had mentioned earlier that there had been a clerk that hadn't told anybody, hadn't told their attorney what had happened. When something goes wrong specifically and they're trying to figure out how to engage with their own attorney, um, what are some important things that specifically they should be talking to their own attorney? Like what are issues that should be brought to the attention of an attorney? If there's a situation where the clerk thinks um, either the clerk's office or uh, a poll worker has done something that hasn't complied with the law and we have to figure out, you know, can it be reversed? Is there anything that has to be done to fix it? And then also to communicate to the public to be transparent about, uh, about what happened. I think the sometimes you know, we found that the clerk, clerk's office may want to bring in the attorney or the state just to help reinforce the message that they were trying to send. Because if the clerk isn't an attorney, sometimes Attorneys who are challenging procedures, you know, may not want to listen to the clerk or to uh, a poll worker who's, you know, essentially volunteering, doing it maybe a couple times a year, and they may may need to, you know, be convinced by another attorney about what the what the law is. You know, uh, attorneys like, as you know, you know, we we don't like to have surprises, and so if we can convince the election officials to you know, overshare with us rather than undershare that that's a good thing. Um, so we can, we can be prepared. And I guess kind of related to that, when you come into a new position and effectively the, the clerk or the election board is now your clients. Um, if there's an attorney that happens to be listening to this, that doesn't already work in elections. Um, what advice do you have for attorneys that want to get into this space and how to interact, you know, how to build relationships like that? You know, there's so much information online. If you go on the Wisconsin Elections Commission uh, website, if you wanted to learn about Wisconsin election law, it's all there in, in manuals and guidance and memos. So first to kind of build the expertise so you, that you know what you're talking about. But, you know, I would also recommend, you know, go 
just go watch an election. Even if you're not there to, um, to do legal work, just spend a little time there to see what the flow is and how things are supposed to normally operate. And then as you say, I mean, it's important to, to build relationships in a way that I think you're seen as credible and that you're interested in you know, not interfering with the process, but just there to make sure that it, it goes well and everything is legal. Um, you know, we have, I've been through a, a couple of statewide recounts in Wisconsin in the last 10 years. And then we had a recount of our, um, of our presidential election just in Dane County and Milwaukee County last year. So I helped the county attorney to run, to, to advise the county recount board um, during that recount process. And you could tell which attorneys the, um, the candidates brought in who you know, had some election expertise and which ones were there just to sort of you know, bring up every challenge they thought was possible, even if it had already been you know, decided and resolved. Um, uh, and, you know, and that's when you have a recount board there and you have a, an election that's going on for a week or over a week um, during the Thanksgiving holiday or right before the holiday, um, you know, people want to do their business and get in and get out of there. So I think, you know, as you know, any, you know, anything you're doing as a election administrator, administrator or a professional or an attorney, your credibility is really important. And so I think uh, to not you know, go overboard, uh, to make sure you're relying on, on what the law is. And as you say, really to get to know who the election officials are, uh, both locally and, um, and, and at the state level, that would be the best advice I could give. All right, that was another great episode of High Turnout Wide Margins. A big thanks to Michael Haas from Wisconsin for being our guest today. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope you tune in next time to High Turnout Wide Margins.